0: I invite you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16, we're going to read the verses 1 through 6 together. He will read as follows. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. And that last verse is also our text. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Our Lord once said that these are the Scriptures that testify about Him. He said that in John 5, verse 39, in talking to the Pharisees. And by Scriptures, He meant all of what God had revealed up to that point. Every page bears witness to Him in one way or another, sometimes in unexpected ways, sometimes by implication. Now, one of those places is our text from this morning. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord one turns away from evil. This text reveals Christ indirectly. It reveals to us the need for Christ. This Sunday is part of the period before Christmas known as Advent. Advent comes from, the word Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming. Advent is a period of time right before Christmas and it's the time when we start thinking about the coming of Christ and about what it means. So you could say that all of Scripture creates an expectation of His coming. All of Scripture highlights the Conditions that made it necessary for Christ to come. So as we prepare ourselves for the celebration for the Lord, of the Lord's Supper this morning, we will see that our text from Proverbs does that same thing to us. Again, it says, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. What does it actually mean? Whose steadfast love is, is this proverb talking about? It's a bit puzzling, isn't it? If you think about it, it just appears in the middle of this passage. And we would, we would read this in the first time, if you're theologically minded, you, you might read the steadfast love of God into it. But that's not necessarily the primary love that this is talking about. Because the phrase steadfast love and faithfulness can also apply to the behavior of people. People who know the Lord. For example, in Proverbs 3 verse 3, the writer is told, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So in this case, steadfast love and faithfulness means to to be loyal, and loving in your covenant obligations toward God and man, and to express this in the way that you live. So, this steadfast love and faithfulness is actually a, a human thing in that instance. But that makes it complicated, doesn't it? Because the whole point of celebrating the Lord's Supper is that we cannot take away our own sin. That's what that reminds us of, of our total helplessness, of our need for redemption. And now we have a proverb that says, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. How are we to to make sense of that? We should always read the Bible in context. And what was the context in which this proverb was written? It was the context of the Levitical sacrificial system. It was a very complex system of sacrifices and rituals to atone for sin. For example, in Leviticus 9 verse 7, we read that Moses said to Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people and bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. And numerous other examples could be given. Many of these sacrifices were a response to human sin. Someone would not show steadfast love and faithfulness to his neighbor, and then would sin in that, and then would have to bring an offering to ask God for forgiveness for that sin. But there were always more sins to atone for. There were always more sacrifices to bring, and that was because all of these animal sacrifices pointed the way to Christ. As we read in Hebrews 10, verse 1, since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. All these sacrifices pointed to the need for a Savior. So, whatever else this text might mean, it is not, it cannot be suggesting a parallel way of making yourself righteous in the eyes of God. It is not suggesting that if you just try long enough and hard enough, if you are loving and faithful enough, if your intentions are pure enough, then somehow you can compensate for your sin. It does not say that. Your steadfast love and faithfulness will never take away your sin. But it is an important part, an essential part of the process of atonement. Think about what the Lord's Supper form says under the heading self examination. It says, in the third point, let everyone examine his conscience, whether it is his sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with his entire life, and laying aside all enmity, hatred, and envy to live with his neighbor in true love and unity. And that is the same idea that we find in this proverb. The point is that you cannot have forgiveness. If you refuse to live with your neighbor in true love and unity, that's what it means. This was true in the Old Testament as well. You could offer all the sacrifices in the world, but if you refuse to show steadfast love and faithfulness to your neighbor, if you refuse to live with him or her in true love and unity, then there is no forgiveness. That's why the Lord says in Micah 6 verse 8, He has told you, O man, what is good, And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? That challenge still stands for us this morning. Yes, we have forgiveness through the blood of Christ and His blood only. But if we really believe that, if we really make that our own through faith then that will show in how we relate to our neighbor. We will live with our neighbor in true love and unity. And when we reflect on that, we see how far we fall short. Sometimes we just tolerate our neighbor. Isn't it true? But we don't live with him or her in true faith and unity. Who's your neighbor? It's the person closest to you. So think about your marriage For those of you that are married, think about your family. Think about your children if you have them. Think about your relationship with your parents. Is there true love and unity? And be careful before you answer. Think of what we read in verse 2 of our reading this morning. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. So maybe the answer to this question should be no. And then now is the time to confess. If there are recent unresolved issues that are caused by a refusal from your side to show true love and unity, you should probably not come to the table this morning. But if you examine your conscience, and it is your sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with your entire life, then you should come. If you have laid aside all enmity, hatred, and envy, then you should come. If you desire to live with your neighbor in true love and unity, then you should come. If you long to show steadfast love and faithfulness, then you should come. You should come because Christ has come. That is what we remember in Advent. As the forum says, let us fully trust that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into this world according to the promises made from the beginning to the fathers in the Old Testament And that he assumed our flesh and blood. That is God's steadfast love and faithfulness toward us. Do you remember the words of Zechariah the priest recorded for us in Luke chapter 1? His son John was going to prepare God's people to receive the Messiah. And Zechariah said that God did this to, quote, show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That's in Luke chapter 1. So all of our steadfast love and faithfulness takes place in the context of the steadfast love and faithfulness that God showed to us first. That is how we are to read this text. That is what Christmas is about. Christ assumed our flesh and blood. From the beginning of His incarnation to the very end of His life on earth, He bore for us the wrath of God under which we should have perished eternally. That's what we remember in the Lord's Supper. His body was broken. His blood was poured out for us. If we see how God punishes sin, then we will also have a healthy fear for Him, of Him. And that's the other half of this proverb. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil because we know we know what's in cost. We know what God does with sinners whose iniquities are not atoned for. The bread and the wine remind us of that as well. They remind us of the utter ruin and destruction that God will bring upon all those who persist in hardening themselves against him. As verse 4 reminds us, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. The day of trouble is coming. Remember, Advent means coming, and Christ has has come once, but that's not the end of Advent. We still live in Advent, because He's coming again. This time as judge. And if we are not willing to show grace to others, then it can only mean that we have never really received the grace that was depicted for us in the sacrament. And as verse 5 reminds us, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. So the sacrament assures us of that as well. But more than anything else, it assures us of God's steadfast love and faithfulness towards us. Jesus really was born. He really was born into this world. He really was the ultimate physical embodiment of all of God's steadfast love and faithfulness to His people. And He really atoned for their sins. He really died, He was really raised from the dead, He really calls us to have faith in Him also today. So then let us turn away from every remnant of evil that still lingers in our lives, and let us show steadfast love and faithfulness to each other in turn, because Christ has atoned for all our sins. Amen.